Today on episode number 635, I'm fresh back from Content Marketing World. I've got some insights as well as insights from Podcast Minute Atlantic on just general content marketing. We're also going to answer the question, is podcasting dying? Because somebody pulled it out of one of the major conferences. And we're going to talk about the power of combining emotion and logic in your podcast. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where we basically help people plan, launch, and grow your podcast. I do that by helping you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face that fear, flatten that learning curve, and get you on the road to podcasting. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you'd like to sign up, I got a little treat for you just for listening to this show. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and you will save 20% off when you sign up for either a monthly, yearly uh, subscription. And I am fresh off the road. I just got back from basically New Jersey. And I learned something very cool. This is what's fun about going on the road. In New Jersey, they still pump your gas. Like I stopped to get gas and this young girl hops out of this chair and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm pumping your gas. And I'm like, what? I'm like, where's, I'm sorry, where's the self-serve pump? And she goes, we don't have any. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. And so that's one thing I learned on the road. And what I'm going to be talking about today is content marketing in general. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that you have just a little bit of homework. I love to take the last week out of the month and get your opinion. And then I take your opinion and other people's opinions and I put them all together so we can kind of see really what's going on. So here's the question of the month. If there's a slider, we're one, like we're number one. That is, I love podcasting. And 10 on the other side is, ugh, I hate podcasting. I want to quit. I would like to know, where are you on that scale? Are you a three, a five, a six, a seven, a two, a one? Well, let me know what that is. And then also let me know why you're feeling that way. And if you could record something and just attach it to an email, send it to Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. If you could, pretty please put September question in the subject line. Or if you want, if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, there are multiple ways that I can get your opinion. And I really would love to hear it. So the other thing I want to update you on is slick text. I got to speak at Podcast Minute Atlantic. I'll be talking about that here in just a bit. And this is what I would call an intimate gathering. And oh, I guess it's been a month or so ago. I told you about Slick Text. If you want to check this out, Slick te- go to uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash Slick Text. And this is basically where if you text the words SOP to 31996, again, that number, or that I guess I should say that phrase, SOP to 31996, you get an autoresponder from me with a link to this show right in Apple Podcast and this show in Google Podcast. And I really was looking forward to to testing this in a group. So I got to my last slide. I'm like, thank you so much. And I'll actually be doing my presentation here in just a bit, a slightly altered version. But uh, I had five people sign up. And I was going to say I did this in front of probably because I was the very last speaker. And so some people had left early. So I'm going to say I was in front of maybe 80 people. And that constitutes a 6% sign up. So, and I'm okay with that. I thought that was pretty cool. So I have, since I recorded that first episode, I told you about Slick Text. I've had 38 people sign up. And you can actually go in and see how many people have clicked on your links and such. So it's actually a pretty cool service. And for me, again, always consider your source. We're going to be talking about that today as well, because you always have to consider that somebody else may have a different lens than you do. So I've had 24 people subscribe to my show, assuming that when they clicked on that, they went through 
And so I've had 38 people sign up and 24. So again, and it's it starts off, you can actually have a free plan. So that's my update on that. But here's the fun thing. I was at uh, Content Marketing World. That was how I started off the week. And this has about 4,000 plus people. It was a big, big, big conference. And in fact, at one point, Tina Fey from Saturday Night Live, from 30 Rock, from Mean Girls, Tina Fey was the, the keynote speaker and people lined up. And it's interesting when you get, I don't know, four or 5,000 people lining up. It's a really long line. It was interesting to watch this line go really throughout the whole conference hall and then down the hall and literally and up the steps, almost out the door. That was interesting. And it takes about an hour if you have a line of about 5,000 people to actually filter into the room. It was really, that was mind-boggling. The other interesting thing about this event is I I was looking at this line because it was right in front of the Lipson booth. And I counted 20 people and then looked at how many guys were in that line, and it was three. So that means there were basically 15% of the audience was dudes, and the other were females. So it was a whole different audience. And a lot of the people that I talked to were content marketing officers, like CMOs, or chief marketing officer, I guess is probably better than that. And so I thought I would share some things that I learned there, because we're going to talk about this. You have to know who your audience is. And you may be working for a company right now that's thinking of doing a podcast. And I'm not going to make this a giant Libsyn commercial. For the record, if you're new to the show, I work for Libsyn. Libsyn is L-I-B-S-Y-N. Stands for Liberated Syndication. If you go to Libsyn.com and sign up for your podcast, use the coupon code SOP free, and you will get this month free. And then you'll actually get the next month free as well. But I wanted to just, if you've never heard about Libsyn Pro, I was like, you know, there might be people that uh, want to do this because Libsyn.com, for lack of a better phrase, regular Libsyn, you can start literally for $5 a month. On average, I would say most people use the $15 or or $20 a month package. And uh, But what's interesting about Libsyn Pro, this is designed more as an enterprise solution, so a business. And in some cases, marketing agencies will actually add like podcasting to their arsenal. And then they use Libsyn Pro because you can actually go in and see stats of all of your customers. You can see stats of just customer A, you said hitting the microphone with his glasses. And because I talk with my hands, even though you can't see me. And, uh, You can also then, you can have different levels of access for multiple users. So for example, if I am Joe marketing person and I'm doing all the hard work for your show, I can just give you rights to look at your stats so you don't mess anything up if that's a way you want it. Or I can give you full rights to go in and do whatever you want. So that's kind of different. Now, this is a little different setup financially than regular Libsyn which again, you can start at $5 a month. This has a much higher monthly fee, and then you actually pay for your bandwidth. Now, if you want that kind of information, I'm going to direct you to our VP of Podcaster Relations, Rob Walsh. You can email him, rob at libson.com. But the other thing it does is it gives you dynamic ad insertion. So like comedians love this because they can see that, wow, I'm really huge in, I don't know, Austin, Texas. Well, they can then call the comedy club in Austin, Texas and book a gig and know that they're going to probably bring in some people. Uh, Some different networks will actually use that dynamic ad to promote their other shows on their network. So, and by dynamic ads means that let's say I have something for, Hey, uh, go to, I don't know, happy Schmeckles, uh, Halloween. I don't even know what is Schmeckle a bad word. I think it is. Hold on. Uh, happy, happy, uh, Happy Howie's Holiday uh, Halloween Candy Store. Well, that's going to be great, except come November, nobody's going on to go to uh, Happy Howie's Halloween Store. And so you could swap out that ad, and it it would go back and repopulate your entire back catalog. And so that's what's cool about dynamic ad insertion. And there, I mean, we could go into that, but just so you know, but here's the, the cool thing that... Uh, I don't normally deal a lot with Libsyn Pro stuff. That's all kind of Rob's category. 
But we now have the ability to do a private podcast. So if you are doing a podcast for your company and you don't want it to go to the public, not only can Libsyn do that for you, and you basically just add all your employees, we make a custom app for you, but you can now go in and see what employees are actually listening to the podcast. So if you, let's say you, instead of bringing all your employees into the office to go, hey, everybody, get out there and sell something, you can now do a podcast that says, hey, everybody, go out there and sell something. And they can actually listen to it on their way to their first call. And you can go in and maybe, I don't know, Mortimer is not really hitting his quota. You can go in and see, is Mortimer actually listening to his podcast or not? So that's kind of cool. It's a new thing. Now, uh, so that is something that I learned at Social Media Marketing World. Now, the other thing that we came up, and this is where I talked about, you always have your perspective, and that could be different. And so I was there, and somebody came up to me at Content Marketing World, and they said, hey, did you hear where Social Media Marketing World has completely just abandoned podcasting? Now, abandoned, we're going to talk about words here in a bit. Abandoned is a strong word. And I actually spoke last year at Social Media Marketing World. I'm a big fan of Michael Stelzner and uh, the Social Media uh, Examiner podcast and everything they do over there. And I had not heard anything about this. And they said, yeah, there was a post on Medium.com by Tom Webster, who was the guy behind Edison Research. And Tom was basically saying, it's time for another breakout star in podcasting because we had serial and we've had Mark Marin and we've had a couple other things, but we need a new breakout star. And I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I don't disagree with that. It'd be great to have another big breakout star, but podcasting is niche and to have something that everybody listens to, you know, I'm not going to listen to a show on, I don't know, um, the history of basket weaving, but basket weavers might love that show. So that's a whole other topic, but uh, Michael Stelzner left a post or a, a comment, and he says uh, that Tom, because basically what it is, is Tom Webster was saying that podcasting is growing too slow. And so I want to do, uh, because it's growing, it's somewhere between 3 and 5%. And so I did some quick research here, and a CBS local station out of Houston was looking at newspapers, and they said that... In 2004, 54% of people read a newspaper, and that is now down to 38%. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a drop. And according to Edison Research, radio in the car primarily, 96% of people were listening to radio in the car in 2003. Now in 2011, that number had dropped to 84%. And according to, again, Edison Research, the number today is still about 84%. And again, people are complaining about a 2 to 3% increase in podcasting. And that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit because I'm pretty sure that radio would love to have a 3% increase, as would newspapers. So with that said, this is what Michael Stelzner said. He said, your data seems to back up what I've noticed over the last six years since I've been podcasting. I was very excited, and there was pretty nice growth about five or six years ago. Then I noticed a shift, and started uh, that started maybe three or four years ago. I noticed that the NPR style shows coming on the scene in force, and of course, Gimlet. My first concern was that people who already listened to other podcasts would go over to the more highly produced shows, and slow their listening of shows that are basically, well, like you and me. We don't have a team of 18 creating our show. And uh, so Michael says, I was concerned it would send a signal to new podcasters that they would have to be like the NPR people if you want to get into this space. And if you're not, well, then forget about it. He says, I've also noticed a significant number of podcast evangelists starting to pod fade and no one filling the gap. I'm going to read that one again. I also noticed a significant number of podcasting evangelists starting to pod fade, meaning they quit, and no one filled the gap. I actually have left a comment on the Medium post to say, hey, Michael, I want to understand before being understood, what are you seeing? Because he doesn't elaborate on that. He said, I started to notice my own numbers stop growing. Notice what he said there. My own numbers stopped growing. But still, 
be very healthy and stay that way for years. Uh, I'm a regular listener of social media. Uh, uh, this, I think it's just called the social media. I, uh, the social media marketing show. I know it's brought to you by social media examiner, but anyway, um, he says, despite my other media properties growing. So he said, I noticed that my numbers stopped growing, but again, they were still very healthy and they stayed that way for years. Despite my other media properties growing, I started to notice less interest in podcasting sessions at my conference. That would be social media marketing world, less interest in podcasting articles on my site, which would be social media examiner. And he said, so all the data came together and made it very clear. Podcasting was not growing. We made the strategic decision to eliminate the podcasting track from social media marketing world a few months ago, which is, I don't know if he announced that anywhere. I didn't hear it anywhere because I was wondering if I was going to be asked back to speak. And I think it's safe to say I'm not (laughs) not doing any podcasting stuff. He says, so what I saw happening, and here's the key phrase. So what I saw happening through my lens in another keyword here, my industry is also happening in the entire podcasting industry. It seems so key there. That's through. In other words, from my chair, uh, podcasting isn't growing and I'm not sure if it's a language issue as you suggested uh, in this article. He says, I also think it's a social media issue People spend a ton of time consuming content with audio. He says, it's called video. Hmm. And I'm sure you have access to the data that shows video consumption is way up, especially on social networks. The times, he says, they are changing. He goes, and here again, that's my two cents. Thoughts? So, uh, obviously, this is through his lens, and it reminds me a little bit. Well, first of all, he said... um, a significant number of podcast evangelists. The only two I know that have not quit doing podcasting, they only expanded their reach. One is my friend Cliff Ravenscraft, who used to be known as the Podcast Answer Man. And Cliff actually just did a live event. He has expanded now to be more of, instead of how to start a podcast, it's more about how to start an online business that you use podcasting to market it. So he's, he's kind of wind it. And John Lee Dumas, you may have heard of him, Entrepreneur on Fire. John does everything now. Uh, he he writes books. He, he went from doing a daily show to a weekly show, Entrepreneur on Fire. And he's kind of expanding. I think he has another course. He has courses and now so, and he's been doing it for probably at least five, seven years, something like that. And so they've done things to reach a, a wider audience. Um, and my whole thing is though, but that's only two people. And is that then a significant number of podcast evangelists? Because from my chair, and can I can I kind of pull back the curtain here a second? I noticed a couple weeks ago that there are a number of podcasts about podcasting coming into this space to the point that I was like, ooh, it's kind of getting crowded in here. And are they going to take away my audience? Oh, my goodness. I think I have the vapors. And uh, I have since lost that thought because I, I just, I have other things. Thinking about that will not help me make good content. And the other thing is, I always want to see where those people are once they start their podcast. Go back and check three months later and see if they're there. And uh, for proof of this, go to podcasts about podcasting, and you'll see that there's a list of podcasts about podcasting at the top of the page, and at the bottom, a much longer list of podcasts about podcasting that are no longer podcasting. So the other thing that I wanted to point out here is because if you hear about this and go, oh man, you know, Michael Stelzner said podcasting is, you know, they dumped it and everything like that. It was, um, I believe in around 2009. So at this point, podcasting was about four years old back in the day, actually five years old. I can't do math right now, but one of the biggest, shall we say stars of podcasting in the early days was a guy named Leo Laporte, who does this week in tech. Leo came with a, uh, a built in audience from uh, TV and radio and uh, makes a lot of money at podcasting. But here's the thing. Podcasting starts in 2004. All the geeks are into it first because you had to be a geek to listen to podcasts back then because you had, there was no, it sounds weird. There was no Apple podcast. There was, you know, there was the YouTube directory, or not YouTube, there was Yahoo directory, 
there was this thing called Odeo that was a directory. And then when Apple ca- Podcasts came on board, uh, those two things went away. The interesting thing is, this is like a history lesson, Odeo, uh, they had this cool thing where you could follow people. And so they just revamped themselves and came back. They still had this whole following thing. And uh, it was called Twitter. And now you know the rest of the story. Uh, so, but Leo said that podcasting was too hard and uh, it wasn't growing and that podcasting was dead. And I've got links to things out there. In fact, actually going back to Cliff, Cliff actually interviewed Leo Laporte and got him to say, yeah, it's not, it's not dead. And I think if you talk to Rob Walsh or Todd Cochran or Jennifer over at Podbean or Rob Greenlee at Spreaker, podcast consumption is up. So again, this is through Michael's lens from his chair and maybe all the social media people that are into podcasting, maybe they're in and it's not going to grow as fast as it did before. So if you hear this, don't run to the hills and go, oh, it's it. Podcasting is dead. Uh, If you ask Rob Walsh, he has articles going back to 2007. So podcast has died many deaths and it's because people get in and their niche jumps on board. They get a bunch of growth and then it kind of tapers off and it doesn't grow as fast as it did at the beginning. And since you now know that podcasting's not dead, you might want to start one. Well, I've got a website for you. It's called schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER and you can save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. You can also buy the courses a la carte. And you're like, what kind of courses, Dave? Things like planning your podcast, content is king, which is basically how to create content that will knock the socks off your audience. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Podcast gear, you know, what kind of gear do you need without blowing the budget? Uh, recording your podcast using Audacity or GarageBand or Adobe. Uh, how to build a podcast website using WordPress. How to communicate with your audience. These are all courses. If you want to learn how to use the PowerPress plugin, I got tutorials for that. If you're like, Dave, this whole RSS thing makes my brain hurt, I've got a tutorial on that. If you want to know how to publish with Libsyn, got a tutorial for that. New to Skype, got a tutorial for that. It's all there, schoolofpodcasting.com. If you want to learn how to monetize your podcast, you don't have to. But if you want to make some money with your podcast, got a course for that. Want to learn how to promote your podcast, got a course for that. So it's all there, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. And in addition to the courses, you've got our private Facebook group for networking. And then twice a month, I do live Q&A. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER to save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. So I drove from Cleveland content marketing world over to basically the Philly slash New Jersey area to podcast them in Atlantic. And in the car, I was listening to podcasts about YouTube. Tim Schmoyer has a really cool one called video creators podcast. And then I listened to one about Twitch. I'm kind of sniffing like Twitch. Like that sounds interesting. It's a, a way to get your content out. So I'm just dipping my toe into it. But it was interesting because I was listening to the one on YouTube and they were talking about how to grow your audience. And they said things like, well, you need to know who your audience is and then you should probably focus on making great content and don't focus on the YouTube algorithm, like how you get found and all the technology and, you know, the rankings and things like that. And then they, uh, Tim said, be sure to write good titles for your, your videos. And then uh, basically be yourself and don't blatantly rip off other shows. And if you can be consistent in the quality of your videos in terms of the content and also be consistent in your schedule and then always engage your audience with the, you know, how you can leave a a comment on YouTube videos. And then they always say, by the way, it also takes time to build an audience. And so then I went over and I was listening to this Twitch show and you know what they said? They said uh, to grow your Twitch stream. This is this live streaming platform. You should probably know who your audience is and focus on making a good show. They said follower counts don't matter. Uh, I guess you're going to have like followers almost like in Twitter. And they say don't do spammy follow for follow exchanges, which in podcasting we call those promo swaps. 
or not promo swaps, but uh, review swaps because they don't really do anything. He says, also, uh, be yourself and don't rip off other shows. Interesting. They also said, be consistent in the quality of your shows and your schedule. And then to grow a Twitch stream, uh, it takes time. Now, the interesting thing that I was I kind of felt sad about is whoever is getting people into podcasting that are on Twitch, they're doing they're all like using SoundCloud and Anchor. And that's just a bad, bad, bad choice. And if for more information on that, go to uh, podcastmediahosting.com. And so then I went to Podcast Minute Atlantic and I heard people say things like, well, you need to know who your audience is. You should probably focus on making a good show. Uh, reviews don't really move you up the charts. And don't do spammy uh, review swaps. And really, you should just be yourself and don't try to rip off other shows. And be consistent in the quality of your show and the quality of your content. And be consistent in your schedule. And you guessed it. It takes time. And so what I want to talk about, I'm going to do, if you were at Podcast Minute Atlantic, I'm going to basically do a modified version of my presentation. So if you don't want to stick around, uh, you are, uh, you, you have my permission to fast forward. <laughs> but what I want to talk about is logic and emotion. So this again comes from me kind of reverse engineering what I listen to, why I listen to it, et cetera, et cetera. And what makes a good Show And you've heard me in the past say things like most of the shows I watch do one of the following. They make me laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And so I was looking at some things and I thought about any time I've ever had like a driveway moment where a show is so good I don't want to get out of the car or things that just stuck in my brain. And so I, I saw where it's usually a combination of both logical and emotional Type of content. So when we hear the word logic, we think of Mr. Spock for all of us Star Trek fans. And if you look up logic in the dictionary, it says reasoning conducted or assessed according to strict principles of validity. In other words, one plus one equals two. And what's interesting about that is when we think logically, when things don't happen the way they're supposed to, it actually surprises us and makes us react emotionally in a way. And a classic example of this is if you go bowling and you bowl it right down the alley and it does that little curve thing in and goes right between the first pin and the third pin or whatever. And the pins go flying and you look up and there's like one pin standing and people go, Oh man, you were robbed. You were robbed. Why are they saying that? Because logic said you should have gotten a strike, but you didn't. And so how do they react emotionally? And that's why a lot of times I have fond memories, I think now, of bowling a lot when I was in junior high. I was on a bowling team. And uh, a lot of emotion, a lot of logic, and a lot of just competition and friends and things like that. But let's move on to emotional. Emotional is kind of defined as it's arousing or characterized by an intense feeling. And every time I hear the word, I love the word intense. It's one of my favorite ones. Intense. That is such a, mm, it's an intense word, isn't it? It reminds me, do you guys remember uh, Gilbert Godfrey? He used to have a commercial and be like, this is so intense. So that's emotional. It's intense. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about the TV show, This Is Us. This is on NBC here in the States. But this show is, if, if you cannot connect with this show on an emotional level, you, you're a robot. Let me explain. The story is of a family, and it starts off with the, the mother and the father, and both these people, of course, because it's on TV, are hot. They're just smoking hot. They can't keep their hands off each other. It's like the perfect couple, and the mom gets pregnant, and they're going to have triplets. And so they go to have the triplets, and unfortunately, one of their babies, one of the three triplets, dies. What just so happens that day that and they are a white couple and it just so happens on that day that a black baby is born dropped off at the fire department and the guy from the fire department brings it to the hospital and they decide they're going to adopt this little baby that was abandoned so now what do you have you have sibling rivalry you have adoptive issues and 
you have race issues because now you have white people and black people. And you know what? Sometimes they're a little different. And so then also you see, and so you'll flash back to the early days when they were kids and growing up and the, the black brother in this case, cause there's uh, the, the twins or the triplets is a boy and a girl. And then you have this adopted boy. So he's their brother. And so you see where he grows up to be this super smart guy, super duper workaholic with, of course, a smoking hot wife. And so now there you have this whole work life balance thing going on. So we have uh, a super hot couple um, and then you've got uh, sibling rivalry, you have race issues, and we're talking about workaholic and work life balance. Then, of course, the adoptive kid goes to find his grandpa or his, his grandpa, his father which is his children's grandfather, and they find him, and oh, by the way, he's bisexual. So now we've got that whole thing for people to identify with, and then the the, um, the daughter of the triplets, right, the, the, the girl triplet, grows up to be uh, rather overweight, and so she meets this really nice guy at like Weight Watchers, and they both try to lose weight. Anybody trying to lose weight? I'm raising my hand. And they're trying to have uh, to get pregnant. Okay, great. Infertility. That's always fun. I've gone through that. And uh, I, I can just say it's it's a rather unique uh, situation because there is harvesting involved. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And so the other thing is now the the boy triplet grows up to marry his childhood sweetheart they have a great thing but they've been divorced and now they're getting back together maybe so you have this whole like long lost love thing you have uh oh also the the overweight couple tried to have a baby and they had a miscarriage so now if like you cannot identify with this there's always something in it and then here's the big spoiler alert is the father of all this the the hot father with the right the parent right he dies and so Okay, so now you have parent issues with the kids. They're all dealing with loss. Do you get my point? And you watch this show and you just weep. Everybody weeps because there's something in here that you can identify with. So you have a great story that is accented with emotions. So when you can mix some sort of emotion, it's great. Now, in my show notes, I'm going to put a a video to Vince Gill and Patty Loveless. Now they sing this song called Go Rest High on That Mountain. Now on that alone, it's a song pretty much designed to be sung at funerals. The fun part is now the the logic part of this is Vince Gill and Patty Loveless sing Go Rest High on That Mountain. There you go. No real emotion in that. It's just very matter of fact. But they did this at George Jones's funeral. Now George Jones apparently is this giant country legend from back in the day. And uh, apparently, throw on top of that, he's a good friend of Vince Gill and Patty Loveless. But apparently Vince Gill especially had a relationship with him. And now they're going to sing this song that has lyrics like, oh, how we cried the day you left us. And so it starts off okay. But by the second verse, when they get to that verse, oh, how we cried the day you left us, Vince Gill just basically starts to lose it. And by the time they get to the chorus, what's supposed to be a duet is now Patty Loveless singing a solo. And what's interesting, it's hard to watch because he's just, he can't sing. He's so emotionally just blown out. He's done. He's spent. He can't do it. He can't hold it together. It is painful to watch, but here's what's so cool about this. So the audience, which is also friends of George Jones, so you got all these country legends in there, are watching their friend on stage struggle. And one of the coolest things I've ever seen is Garth Brooks, who's this another country legend, stands up when when Vince Gill cannot sing the chorus anymore. He actually backs away from the microphone. Garth Brooks stands up in support. So that's my point here is if you ever want to share your emotions, and this doesn't mean you have to cry in your podcast, but that's it's a it's an easy one to see and hear. But if you want to share your emotions, it's not like somebody's going to go, well, I can't believe he got angry in his podcast, or I can't believe, like, nobody was at that funeral going, oh, Vince, you ruined the whole thing. It was fine until Vince started weeping everywhere. No, nobody said that. His audience stood up to support him to like, hey, buddy, we got you here. 
And when I was inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame, there was a spot where my mouth didn't work. And when it happened the second time, I was like, oh, great, I'm making up words. And people kind of laughed because apparently that's kind of Dave being Dave. And when I heard my audience laugh, I was like, look, I'm sitting here in a uh, in front of an audience of my friends, what am I worried about? And it's the same thing here. Vince Gill is in a room of people who loved George Jones, and this song is making everyone cry. So you don't have to worry about showing your emotions because the other thing you'll see in this video is this was real. Like when you when you watch this video, when that song is over, test your heart, for lack of a better phrase. And just examine how you feel. It's hard to watch, but this was real and it was heartfelt and your heart just goes out to this person. So the logic side, Vince and Patty sing a song at a funeral, the uh, emotional side of their friend, George Jones, Vince loses it and can't continue. So one of the things we always talk about is knowing your audience And we want to make content that engages them and it's what they want to hear. So uh, you might ask yourself, uh, there's a, there's an old Peter Frampton album and he had a song. This is like back in the seventies. So if you're under 30, you're like, what's a Peter Frampton, but it was before Michael Jackson. And if you say who's Michael Jackson, you're not allowed to listen. But before Michael Jackson, Frampton comes alive was one of the top selling albums. I think it was up there with Fleetwood Mac. I'm totally geeking out on music. But anyway, he had a song called Do You Feel Like We Do? And maybe we shouldn't just ask ourselves, what do I want my audience to hear? Maybe we should ask ourselves, what do I want my audience to feel? Because again, the content is what they want to hear. If we can sprinkle, just like a, a, I don't know, a donut, if we can add some sprinkles to that or ice cream with sprinkles or whatever you're putting your sprinkles on these days, Maybe we could sprinkle in some emotions to trigger emotions, right? So maybe we can put some things in to trigger emotions because when we mix logic and emotion, it's going to create what kind of response? An intense response in your audience, and that might inspire them to tell their friends. And notice the name of that album was not Peter Frampton sing songs in front of his audience. It was Peter Frampton Comes Alive. In fact, it was actually just called Frampton Comes Alive. That sounds much more engaging, doesn't it? It's like, wow comes alive, I might want to listen to that. So when we talk about emotions, there are different types of emotions. And there's a, every time I research this, there's this guy named Robert Pletchik, and he has the wheel of emotions. And this included things like joy, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, trust, anticipation. And then I threw on two bonus ones, which is love and remorse. And so I thought, well, wait a minute. Those are words for emotions. Is there anything I can do to ramp it up a bit that might trigger something in people? So for instance, for me, when I hear the word joy, I think of Christmas. That's like a word, you know, joy to the world or whatever, and joy and whatever. Uh, Or maybe if you're a Ren and Stimpy fan, happy, happy, joy, joy. Well, that's the word I think of. If I was going to use uh, joy, I would go, no, no, I want to use happy. I think most people can identify with happy. But what about fear? Fear fear is an emotion. And I said, ooh, what about the word terror? Right? Ooh, I was terrified. I was fearful. I was terrified. Or if you're George W. Bush, you're terror. Remember how that guy couldn't say that word? And uh, what about surprise? That's an emotion. What about blindsided? Surprise is a party. Surprise! Blindsided is what? My taxes are, huh? Okay, sadness Sadness, I'm sad, versus depression. Depression, to me, is like extended sadness. And disgust is an emotion. I got an example of disgust that sticks with me. Check out the show Congressional Dish, congressionaldish.com. Jen Briney reads the bills that go through Congress. And when I listen to that show, it is disgusting. Not Jen, but what our Congress is doing. And it it again, triggers me emotionally, and I tell people. Now, what's another word for disgusting? Wrong. Maybe dirty. Right? Ooh, dirty. But it is definitely wrong. Now, what about trust? Trust is kind of a positive emotion. Well, what about admiration? 
You know, I love words because they trigger different things. Uh, anticipation might be high hopes, right? He's got high. Okay. Love, love is so cool. Isn't love cool? I love love. Love is so cool. Why? Because it's a two for one. Love is joy and trust combined. Because you think about it, when you're in love with somebody and you see them and your heart goes pitter-patter and you see them and you're like, ah, and then you, you, you trust them because you can be yourself around them and they know the fact that you do all those weird, disgusting things and they still love you. Isn't that cool? That's why love is so cool. And remorse is also a two for one. Remorse is surprise and wrong. So for me, I don't know, think of a band that, uh, how about Led Zeppelin, right? Led Zeppelin, their drummer died. Well, what if you had tickets to the last Led Zeppelin concert and didn't go? That would be remorse, right? Surprise, he's dead and wrong, you didn't go. So those are just some emotions. Now, something else you might want to keep in mind. Now, I realize this is an audio podcast, but people do come to your website. You do have album art. Now, for the record, can we take a tangent for just a second? Album artwork does not show an Apple podcast. So if you're beating your head against the wall, trying to get the artwork that you uploaded to show an Apple podcast, not going to happen. But on your website, you can have things that trigger things. So for example, uh, a swastika from World War II. Ooh. I, what was interesting, I threw that on my slide at Social Media Market, at, so at um, Podcast Minute Atlantic, and it was fun because I knew it was coming up on the slide. And so instead of looking at my slide, I watched my audience. And when I put a swastika on the screen, people literally like, pulled back like uh, and then i put up a, a christian cross that'll make people lose their mind then i put up the symbol of an lgbtq pxyz uh flag and i'm not making fun of that by the way uh and then i put up the the symbol of uh the jewish star the the five pointed six pointed whatever it is the star of david and then of course right now as i record this in august of 2013 i put up the symbol of the nike swoosh because there's this big controversy over this football player kneeling during the uh, national anthem and Nike gave him an ad. And so people are losing their minds over a symbol. And so if we want to trigger people, maybe we can put something in the actual post to make people want to click it, which will then get them to play it where your content will, will grab them for that. So keep that in mind. But the one thing I do want to point out here, when I talk about, you know, sharing parts of yourself, you know, there's the old saying, right? Let your freak flag fly. And I do want to say something here. And I, I'm totally, I'm all for that. Be yourself, let your freak flag fly, but realize while there is total freedom of expression, you are not free from consequences. So I know if we go back in the day, uh, PK and J was a podcast, and uh, I don't know if it was PK or J. One of the two got uh, they got fired from their job because I think they were talking about one of those subjects, you know, whether it be religion, abortion, or politics, one of those things, and they were extreme, and their boss heard it, and they got fired. So you're not always free from consequences. If you're talking about your spouse, you might want to clear that with them before you go broadcasting it to the world. So there are all sorts of other things that uh, we've said maybe, because remember, the internet writes in ink. So on one hand, I want you to share parts of yourself, but you might want to think about it a little bit. But let's go back to playing with words, shall we? As we uh, start to wrap this up. I could say today on the show, the 44th president of the US, and you're like, okay, and you start to think about, wait, who is that? Jefferson? No, wait, huh, who? What? No. If I say, okay, today on the show, if I say Barack Obama, well, that might get a little more response. But if I said, hey, today on the show, the first black president, ooh, well, that's cool. We went from the 44th to the first, right? That's kind of cool. First black president. Whoa, that might trigger some people. So again, words matter. Uh, what if I say today on the show, a unique situation? Okay. Again, very logical. What if I say, hey, today on the show, you're not going to believe this. Now, why are you not going to believe this? Because I have a unique situation. But which one would make you suck you in more? What if I say something, hey, today on the show, a historic book. Now, people like Heather from Craftlet will be like, ooh, because she loves history. 
but uh, if I said, hey, instead of a historic book, if I said, hey, today on the show, this is based on a true story. Right. If you ever gone to the movies and that first slide is like black with white letters and it just says in very small print that you have to kind of squint to read based on a true story. And you're like, oh, really? I didn't realize this was. Wow. So. I realize that there are times and we're just talking into a microphone. We may not be thinking about choosing an extra word, but especially when it comes to your titles or things like that, just don't be afraid to share your uh, insights and your emotions and in, in your thoughts, I've got an example here. I'm going to play from Pat Flynn. Check this out. You're going to learn some amazing tips, including one of the most mind-blowing tips that I've ever heard in a very long time. So there's the emotion. There's the insight from Pat. Here's the logical part. Which Andrew talks about how he was able to get Seth Godin on his podcast very, very early on. And it's a tactic and tip that we can all use, um, not to get Seth Godin on, but to get your sort of top influencer in your, uh, in your space to say yes to coming on your show without being sleazy and by providing a lot of value. And he gives it, he gives us this the very specific ways to do that. So what he's talking about there is a strategy. Here's a strategy to get big guests on your show. That's the logic. But he said, this is like one of the best ideas I've ever seen in a long time. He knew his audience. His audience is all about being, for like a better phrase, white hat marketers. He's like, here's how you do it without being sleazy. So there's a fun word, sleazy. That'll kind of tie things in and kickstart the theater of the mind. And if you're like, wait, wait, what? what's the thing? He basically went to, this is Andrew, by the way, from Mixergy. Andrew went to Mashable and said, hey, if I can get an interview with Seth Godin, where he explains seven ways that you can make money in a bad, when the economy is bad, would you publish that particular post? And they're like, Seth Godin? Absolutely. So then he went to Seth Godin and said, hey, I would love to interview you about the seven ways you can make money with uh, in a bad economy, and uh, it'll be published on Mashable, and it's also going to be recorded for my podcast. Pretty cool. Since you don't have any clout, find somebody, and in this case, Mashable, and say, hey, if I do this, will you publish it? And then use that power to get a guess. I thought that was pretty cool, but it's a great example of logic and emotion mixing together. And the last example I have here of, again, showing your emotions in your podcast. I mean, we have a a clip here because on occasion, if somebody talks about something that I just know is wrong, I jokingly say, Dave will pop a cork because I start talking and I start waving my hands and I get loud and I start talking. I can't believe why are you doing this? That's emotion. You don't have to be a robot. But if I were to say the logic of it, if I said a German passenger airship Uh, caught fire and was destroyed during its attempt to dock with its mooring mast at a naval air station in Lakehurst uh, back in 1937. Okay, that's a news story. If I said the phrase, oh, the humanity, you'd probably know what I was talking about. Why? Because everybody knows this recording. It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's flying and it's rising. It's rising terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's running, bursting into flames, and, and it's falling on the morning path. And all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's just it's, flaming. Oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky. And it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. It's smoke and it's flames now. And the flame is crashing to the ground. Not quite to the morning mass. Oh, the humanity and all the fans are just speeding around it. I don't do it. <laughs> So in the past, it's kind of hard sometimes. How do you work emotions into something like teaching people how to podcast? What if you're doing kind of an educational show? Well, are there any examples from your life that you can use to illustrate a point? So when Muhammad Ali died, if you're a regular listener of the show, you might remember that episode. And Muhammad Ali was like one of my heroes growing up. And when I looked at his life, I'm like, wow, there are so many things that podcasters could learn from him. And so I talked about that and I had many people reach out to me that said, Hey, he was my champ too. And so we connected on a whole other level. When I said, Hey, you, instead of just saying you have to have passion to start a podcast, 
in one episode, I said, I have a, a 16 year old stepson and that kid just wants his license. That's all he talks about. He wants his driver's license driver. Can we go driving? Can we go driving? Can we go driving? And I said, you know, if you want to start a podcast, you need to have a passion for your subject, like a, the passion of a 16 year old trying to get their license. And I had people that emailed me and said, Hey, you know, Dave, I'm with you on that. Holy cow. And I thought it was going to die when I got behind the wheels. So those are some things to think about that maybe we don't just ask our ourselves, what does my audience want to hear? But is there anything I can do to make them feel? Because if you can combine education with fear or with surprise, or if you can entertain while you inspire or make them happy or sad or depressed or disgusted, how can we make them feel? On this show, I often try to make you feel safe. That's how I want you. I want you to feel safe to come into the waters of podcasting. And I try to let you know that I've been doing this a while and I'm not going to steer you wrong. And so like today, when we talked about Michael Stelzner, I was like, hey, if you hear this, I don't want you to be scared and go, oh, I don't. Should I get into podcasting now? I'm here to say, no, no, that's just one person's point of view. And he's, you know, I'm not saying he's lying. I'm just saying he might have a different view than other people that have a wider view of podcasting. And I want you to feel safe to come in. I'm here to help you. I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to be your coach. And I'm going to help you get into podcasting in a way that's not going to be painful. It's not going to be shocking. It's not going to be making you depressed or sad. It's going to make you feel joy. It's going to make you feel love. So something to think about combining logic and emotions in your podcast. If you want to know more and you want to start a podcast again, my website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Don't forget to use the coupon L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, better known as listener, and you can sign up for a monthly or a yearly subscription. And again, you can always buy these a la carte as well. And if you just want one-on-one consulting, uh, I'm available for that as well. However you want to jump into podcasting, I'm down in the pool. I will catch you no matter which way you dive in. Thanks so much for listening. Everything we talked about today, you can find again at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 635. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Oh.